You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Wayhai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, host, back with another episode down in Bethany, Oklahoma today with uh, Hudson and Tim Hawes. Gentlemen, thanks for your time. I'm really excited to dive into the story of growing, uh, not growing up, but being part of the Bethany world for the last 10 years. Obviously, you guys are, everyone knows your story, um, and it's an honor to share the story on the podcast. Sadly, Jeremy can't join us today. Um, Maybe he'll swing by later, who knows? But um, uh, I think before we dive into everything and just kind of what you're doing down here at the 34 Project, let's talk a little bit about you guys. I guess Tim being the oldest, we'll start with you. All right. Uh, how'd you come to Bethany? What's kind of your um, Bethany and Oklahoma story? I uh, actually was raised in Edmond. Okay. And um, when after I got married and uh, my wife and I uh, graduated from college, um, we're just looking for uh, where we were going to uh, settle down, you know, and buy a house and it ended up we had lots of connections through church and friends in the Bethany area and so that's how we ended up in Bethany yeah so you know and you have obviously four sons three or four sons three three Mm -hmm. so me being you know we 
few of us went to SNU, so we know a lot of the family. And you know, I went to BFC for a while, and we've just been chatting. We know a lot of mutual friends, as most people in the Bethany will do. Yep. Um, but you know, I think, and, and and I do remember when it is that you had there was football, right? Yeah. When you had your football accident, I think I was in school at that time, and I remember the whole community, and I remember the signs out, and you know, it's something that you know, it, it's it's tragic, right? It's it's it rocks everybody's world, not just the family, but everyone around it because they know you, but. Um, you know, things happen for a reason and you wouldn't be doing the great stuff you do now, right? Yeah. If that, you know, and there's a lot of ways to look at things, yeah. right? Um, you know, and I, I just love the fact that, you know, you guys have, you know, you, you haven't seen it as my life is over, you know, which a lot of people could do. And then there's people like that all over the world that have had, you know, bad accidents playing sports and, and they've gone to depression and all that stuff. But I want to kind of talk about just kind of like, you know, if you don't mind talking about it, that time, what happens, how, how it all goes through everything, and then how you go through, you know, meeting Jeremy, and then this is, you know, and how we get here today, like, we got plenty of time to tell the whole story, so don't hold back on details, and, you know, don't feel like you're talking too much, because okay. it's, uh, it's your job to talk, and we're here to listen to your stories and not mine, so, um, yeah, I guess, I mean, when, when did the, when did the, uh, the accident happened. Yeah, so uh, it was October 23rd, 2015. Uh, Bethany, we drove down to Blanchard and we're playing Blanchard in football. Uh, pretty high stakes game. And uh, we're, you know, playing, it might have been like second quarter, it's pretty early in the game. Might have been first, I'm not really sure. Um, and, you know, we're playing and I played linebacker, so defensive player. Um, love to uh hit people love to hit them hard um that was the that was the only thing i was seemingly good at <laughs> in football was it didn't have the hand-eye coordination to make some spectacular catches or anything but i could hit people and so we're playing and they do a, a outside like little bubble screen thing and i come in and the guy's going down but he's kind of stumbling, so I was just going to go give him a hit to, you know, make sure he went down to the ground. And it wasn't even a, I wish I could say it was like I was full speed, just like, just you know, broke some ribs on the guy or something. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't anything hard or anything like that. And it was kind of just a perfect storm of... I guess events inside my body involving muscles and stuff. So I hit the guy and then I have uh, two vertebrae in my neck that basically came loose and bruised my spinal, my spinal cord. And that resulted in me on the field. I was actually, um, I couldn't really, I tried, whenever I tried to get up off the ground, my left arm kind of twitched and that was it. And so I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> probably not good. And then my buddy, my buddy Rob comes over and tells me to get up. And I told him to shut up. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so then uh, they checked me out on the field. They're obviously like, you know, this is serious. Stabilize. I go to an ambulance and I'm sitting in the ambulance for a bit. I end up getting metaflighted to OU Children's that night. Um and, you know, they put me in the helicopter and the first thing I'm like, okay, do not fall asleep in the helicopter. And as soon as they finished that sentence, I fell asleep in the helicopter. Out. <laughs> yeah. I woke up when we landed um, and then got scanned, everything, went back for surgery, woke up. I don't know how many hours later it was after, um, but they had me. Uh, was it intubated? Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. um, we're breathing for you or whatever. So I woke up 
asked if we won the game, did not win the game. Pretty ashamed of my buddies for not pulling that one out. It's yeah. pretty embarrassing. Um, but what can you do when your best player goes down? I don't know. No. Um, yeah. But so then I spend two weeks. How many? How long? Two weeks. Uh, two weeks. Two weeks in ICU at OU Children's. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to only spend a week, and then I uh, we were looking for places that I could go for my inpatient therapy, and this place called Craig popped up and Craig Hospitals in Denver and it's a world renowned spinal cord and traumatic brain injury hospital but they didn't have any beds available and uh, so we're like well crap so then we're we're looking around uh, for other places and then all of a sudden this Craig representative was like hey we just had a bed available and we can get you there hopefully you know in a day well then I get x-rayed that night and I have uh, pneumonia. My lungs are kind of filling up with stuff. So they're like, we can't transport you like this. So they keep me an extra week, somehow blessing the bed stayed open. I was able to take care of the pneumonia stuff, get metaflighted to Denver. Um, and I get admitted into Craig hospital. And I spend uh, roughly three months doing inpatient therapy there. Uh, And that's like you wake up in the morning and it's eight hours of PT, OT, um, any kind of, you know, everything pretty much. Just every hour you're doing something, you get a little break for lunch um, and then just keep going. And then it's it's kind of relearning how to use uh, everything that you can. Mm Uh, and be effective with it and also to build strength and stuff and really kind of see how much you can progress in certain things. And that was, I mean, that's, that's pretty much my time there. Uh, I mean, I had great friends that would make the drive up there from Bethany to Denver, got caught in some snowstorms every now and then. Um, but they would make the drive up and it was pretty much my, my dad and mom were able to come up there and live there with me. Mm-hmm. And then my brothers could came up every now and then uh, to, and they would stay for a week or however long at a time. And so that was good. Um, met, met some friends there that, you know, were my age or around my age that were, had either, you know, taken a dive into an ocean and hit something underwater or car crash or um, getting bucked off a horse or surfing in Hawaii. Uh, just all, all the, there was, how, how many, there's like 32 beds, 40, 40 beds. So, and all these people are pretty much in the same boat as you. Uh, oh, we had a, right when I got there, um, he has a documentary out on HBO now. I think it won a couple of awards. It's Paul Bast is his name. He was a former world champion mountain biker and he crashed and uh, he was there right when I got there. I didn't know who he was until I saw his documentary and I was like, that's Craig hospital. And then I was like, wait a second. I literally saw him like doing therapy in a hallway. I like, I remember it clearly. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. But there's a ton of just crazy stories that are there while you're, going through all this stuff and um and that hospital was great uh great people there super smart um you know really really no complaints about that place at all um 
and we left there uh, in Jan- late January of uh, 2016, mm-hmm. right? Like twenty, and then I get back here, uh, brief time off, and then go back to high school, uh, which Bethany was amazing about it very I mean I think I needed I had two classes that I needed to finish out to actually graduate so they were just like yeah just show up for those two classes and then you're good to go so that's what I would do and um so that was fantastic finish that out and then whenever I came back uh I need to do outpatient therapy and so I went to Jim Thorpe uh outpatient Rehabilitation here in Oklahoma, uh, over on South, uh, where's that? 44th. Mm-hmm. 44th. And went there and great people there. Um, awesome people actually saw them at the Oklahoma Spinal Cord Conference here a couple weeks ago. It was good to see them. Uh, I spent a lot of time there. I would do, started out, I think, two, two to three sessions a week. I would go down there. But as time goes on, a lot of this therapy that you undertake is insurance sponsored. And so insurance companies like to see progress. Mm-hmm. And if they don't see progress, they do not fund your therapy sessions that a lot of people desperately need to continue to get better and then improve their quality of life. So with that being said, what they when they want to see progress, you see these the therapists, they know how to kind of gain the system a little bit to where it's like, okay, here's where we want to get, you know, um, we want to get to this lofty goal, mm-hmm. but we're not going to try for it immediately. What we're going to do is take this smallest little step so I can write down, yeah. we just made progress, continue to sponsor these therapy sessions. And which is fine. And that's great for some things, but other things um, that it's clear that somebody would benefit from either, you know, being able to get up in a uh, gait training system to be able to practice on walking or at least be get load bearing and blood circulation through legs or being able to do electric stimulation stuff that uh, a lot of that stuff gets barred from people um, from the insurance companies. And, which is very frustrating. And I saw it at Craig too. I mean, there's one time I saw some guy in this wild machine at Craig. And I believe my dad asked me, he's like, when are, when are we getting that thing? And they're like, Oh, I, I, you, you won't probably be able to like, I don't think we'll be able to get insurance to do that. Um, like you have to hit, you have to jump through so many hurdles and hoops and everything. So after, I don't know, probably about a year of doing outpatient therapy at Jim Thorpe. Um, insurance is uh, no longer doing it, so I kind of stopped doing it. And so I stopped, uh, you know, I stopped working out and all this stuff and really getting a lot of uh, physical, physical activity in. Besides, at this point, I'm also going to Southern Nazarene University here in Bethany, getting a degree in history. And uh, a lot of my buddies are going there. And they, uh, all my friends really pushed me through school. Literally, they would push me across campus sometimes. Um, nearly, nearly threw me out of my chair a few times too. Um, but uh, you know, they, yeah, they would come. They'd pick me up. I specifically remember one time. Um, 
it was super cold outside. My battery died in my car. It was finals. And I live, I don't know, probably four blocks away. It's bitter cold. Winds, north wind is howling. And my buddy shows up. My car's not turning on. And we're like, we have to go. And so he just pushed behind me the through the streets of Bethany so we could get up to class. And um, it wasn't great. But we did good on our finals yeah. that day. So that was good. But I just had, I had a lot of friends. The faculty and staff there was really accommodating too. It was, it was probably, I mean, I couldn't really have asked for more of a, a better experience for um, being in the situation that I was in and really helped me, you know, go through that four years. Uh, and during that four years, I would work out occasionally. Uh, sometimes I would um, I would go to certain events and stuff. There was briefly a, uh, there was a CrossFit gym. There's a, it's still, the CrossFit gym's still there, but every Sunday they would host like, um, like paralegic, paraplegic, quadriplegic CrossFit, Mm -hmm. uh, workout stuff, which was pretty cool. But besides that, um, you know, like the gyms that my friends would all go to, they don't really have adaptive equipment there at all. Um, I could bring some stuff with me, but also a lot of times, you know, if I'm working out with my buddies, you know, they're spending half their workout time helping set me up on something and then also spotting me and then like, so all that stuff. So really wasn't getting any kind of therapy or like, you know, doing any kind of exercise, wellness, any of that. And I think I, I did, I mean, I progressed some in terms of quality of life things um, got a little you know got a little stronger figured out how to do different things that I previously couldn't do and stuff like that but um, f- for all intents and purposes I was kind of stagnant and I mean I was just kind of getting my degree and uh, writing a bunch of papers and then I am graduating in 2020 and um, I think I I had already graduated the first time we went to Dallas, correct? Because I think it was... Uh, yeah. I think it was corn. We were supposed to go earlier, but uh, then COVID hit. Yeah. We were like, eh, we ain't going right now. Yeah, so there's a, there's a, uh, there's a place in Dallas that is um, what gave us inspiration here. It's a NeuroReact in Dallas. They are a adaptive... Um, I don't know. Uh, they're they're an adaptive gym that they pretty much do just spinal cord injuries. Um, I think they do other injuries too and things like that. But uh, their owner, she uh, she's a spinal cord injury and she got injured a long time ago. And she went and did this thing called Project Walk out in San Francisco. I think so. And it's uh, pretty much get you out of your chair and just you know. Mm-hmm push you as hard as we can and she was like she felt that she got a lot out of it and she said I want to start one of these down in Texas and so they have a place down in Dallas and so we heard about it and we end up going there after COVID hit and we drive down there and do a workout and I mean I got it was the best workout I'd had in a long time mm-hmm. uh, you know as, probably since my days at Craig whenever I was going eight hours a day and so I was like, well, that was great. And they got me out of my chair. They got me standing up at a squat rack for the first time since my injury. And I was like, and the main thing about this is it was 
private pay. Mm -hmm. There's no insurance companies telling you what you can and can't do. They had a ton of equipment that they were just like, yeah, we're going to throw you on this and see what happens Mm -hmm. and kind of thing. And that's what we really liked about it. And while we were there, my dad had the thought that we should have one of these in Oklahoma because, uh, he didn't like, and I didn't like driving, um, the three and a half hours and back to Dallas whenever we would go down there. And sure, we could stay in a hotel, but that's also more cost and um, all that. So we we did that, and we we kept going down. We went down, I don't know, probably a total of eight or ten times. Uh, Probably at least. Mm -hmm. At least eight or ten times. And uh, while we're doing it, you know, we're, we're thinking, or my dad is thinking about how we can make this happen up here in Oklahoma right. and serve our population. And because there was a, we, we knew a few other people that were making the drive down there. And we're like, well, we should just have one of these up here. <clears throat> so my dad, uh, well, you might want to take over this part of the story about getting in contact with how we met Jeremy and stuff. Yeah. So I, uh, my background is uh, education, so I was a public school teacher and administrator for over 30 years. And I, uh, so through that process, you learn, you meet a lot of people. And uh, so um, coming back uh, from Dallas and uh, thinking about wanting a facility here in Oklahoma, I reached out to um, uh Dr. Stephanie Schellenberger at Southern Nazarene University. She's, uh, you know, 40 plus years of, of knowledge and expertise in uh, strength and conditioning and kinesiology and all those kind of things. And I asked her, you know, would she be willing to come on board as a advisor? And um, uh, she, she, her immediate response was, let me pray about that. Mm-hmm. And so three or four days later, she calls me and says, uh, no, I'm not going to come on board because I've got somebody better than me. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know how that could possibly be. But uh, she sends me the, uh, uh, the contact information for Jeremy Johnson. And uh, I'd never met Jeremy. I, uh, so I, I texted him introduce myself and just uh, it's so interesting as you have conversations later Jeremy recently told me he thought I was actually just trying to get money out of him uh, as an investor you know and uh, yeah I wanted I needed something from him but it was a lot more money and anyway so uh, he didn't respond for several of my texts he just you know ghosted me and uh, uh, but I kept after him and and he said all right why don't you uh, bring Hudson to my house he had a has a a home gym and he said I'll uh, let me just meet you guys and work Hudson out a little bit and see what happens and so we show up and and uh, you know what I think Jeremy later tells me you know uh, I Hudson is the kind of uh, man that you know you tell him all right we're going to do 20 uh he's you know 25 and going mm-hmm. you know it's just whatever you know uh i'm kind of i like that same mindset is I, I like it when somebody tells me okay this is 
this is what I want you to do. So I'm just following directions. You know, just tell me what to do. And, and Hudson really worked hard and I think surprised Jeremy at one is willpower and, you know, just perseverance. And so uh, we have that workout. Jeremy uh, goes to his uh, commercial gym to, to work out. And he said, I, I went into the, said, I'm just sitting there kind of overwhelmed by all what happened with that workout with Hudson. And, and he had gone to the locker room to change clothes at his other facility. And he, uh, he said, normally it's just packed with people, but that day it was empty. And so he said, I'm sitting there getting cleaned up. And this guy walks in and we start talking and he, uh, uh, he asked me, asked, asked Jeremy how his day went. And he said, wow, I had this, um, you know, workout with this kid and kind of told him what happened with Hudson and, and what we were asking him to do, what we were thinking about. And uh, that guy said, well, what you don't know is I'm a neurosurgeon here in Oklahoma city. And, um, all I got to tell you is we have to have a place like that in Oklahoma city. We, um, we, we're having to send people out of state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that was a lot of validation to Jeremy and, and so we started the process of Hudson uh, working out uh, at, at Jeremy's house. And uh, in the meantime, I had some, uh, one of my jobs uh, before I retired from education was um, I ran special services for Bethany Public Schools. And uh, we were, had been looking at some different uh, facilities for um, some different school programs and I had remembered uh, one particular facility uh, in Bethany that came to mind I believe divinely and uh, so long story short inquired about that and it just so happened that it was available and um, so uh, that opened the door for a facility and um, had to do several modifications to make it uh, adaptive and accessible um, and right in the middle of COVID, which to tell you the truth was a blessing too, because, um, you know, we really needed that time to, uh, and it, and it got us through that. And we were able to operate out of Jeremy's personal gym. So that's kind of how, how we got here. So we, we, uh, came up with the 34 project as the name for our adaptive strength and fitness facility and uh, 34 being Hudson's football number. Uh-huh. And uh, um, we've been going gangbusters ever since. Yeah, we had a, the, probably was, we had me working out here whenever we started and we had, I think two other people and then, um, we had a client come in, and when he showed up, he's, he came to just look at the place, and he was like, I thought I was going to roll in here, and it was going to be dirt on the floor, like just like a backwood shed. And, but he was like, this is actually pretty nice. And we were like, yeah, we got a, got a good facility going here. And um, from, you know, from generous donations of both time and money from people throughout this community, and, I mean, not even just in Bethany, far and wide, we've been able to build this facility here and acquire a bunch of specialized equipment 
uh, acquire resources for people, for our clients to be able to uh, gain more independence, gain more quality of life um, from either, you know, fixing up somebody's chair to getting them hand controls so they can drive themselves around. Um, it's just, it's just kind of been a, it feels like a snowball just kind of keeps rolling down the hill and, um, you know, we keep getting more, more people coming in. Uh, none, one thing about this facility, as I mentioned before, that place in Dallas is private pay. This facility is private pay. We don't take insurance. We don't want people telling us what we can do with our clients. And so with that, we have our trainers. And so our trainers need to make money. And so the trainers have, you know, like anybody would with a personal trainer, they have their fee. What we can do with that is we undercut, uh, I think there's probably what, five or five centers similar to us in the country. Yeah, I would say uh, five, probably five to ten yeah. in um, the country. Uh, we, I mean, we undercut them by sixty percent, I believe, because nobody here takes a salary. Um, so there's only cost we got is keep the lights on, and then we have now developed the uh, Bill Fullerton Memorial Scholarship Fund, who was a client of ours that passed away recently, and we have um we have a big scholarship fund in his name that goes to people that maybe need financial help with the cost of being able to utilize this place. And so, I mean, that's one of our main things that we had said from the beginning too, is we don't want this to be a financial barrier for somebody to be able to utilize this place. And, uh, I mean, so far, I think we've, I think we've been able to remove that barrier for a lot of people and, um, continuing to do so, uh, with, you know, just generous people that come through here and, yeah. yeah, it's mega expensive, right? I mean, anything yeah. in the medical field without insurance is mega expensive. Yeah, right? and it's you know, and then when, like I said, when when you when you meet people who are obviously going through the similar things as you, but you know, it's not just you; it's the family too, right? Like, absolutely, you know, it's you know, everyone thinks. Um, you know, everyone probably thinks and, and talks to you about, you know, the struggles and everything you've been through, but they probably don't talk to dad about all the family struggles as well, right? And all the financial and all the other stuff that goes on around it. And it's it's a team thing, right? You've got to be in it together because it's, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's huge what you guys are doing. And then going to Dallas, seeing the opportunity and like, how can we have one in Oklahoma to, to save us driving? But then you need the greater need as well. Like there's a business there that's that can sustain itself. Right. Right. And so... It's been a, it's it's been really the word I that always comes to mind is just humbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, while there's a lot of things going on in the world that are concerning and should be concerning, you know, the over the last couple of years, what's been great about the Thirty Four Project for me personally is understanding that, uh, you know, there's still so many good and generous people and that care about other people, care about total strangers that they've never met. And um, there's a verse in the Bible that I always remember that says, where sin aboundeth, grace aboundeth even more. And it just is always a reminder to me that when things can be bad, um, still the good, the good, is winning out. We just might not see it in a season or in a moment of life, but um, you know, the last couple of years has just been really amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just 
the people that I believe God has sent in our path and and uh, partnered with us. It's it's been a huge blessing. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about kind of then, you know, the, the importance with obviously, you know, you've got to do your therapy, right? Like that's kind of a key thing just to, to after, you know, the, 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 um, the events happen to you and to similar people in your situation, you know, you've got, most people go through therapy, right? But what is, how is, how important is it to sustain that and have an, a quote workout facility going forward, right? Because a lot of people just talk about, hey, I'm going through outpatient therapy at six weeks or whatever it is. Right. But a lot of people don't probably know how important it is to have a facility like this to continue that strength workout stuff going forward. Yeah, so I think uh, speaking for Jeremy, since he's not here, I believe he would ask you how important is it for people to continue uh, you know, their own physical health, mm-hmm. able-bodied people going to the gym, going for runs, just kind of taking care of yourself. Uh, that's how it is. And probably even more so for people that um, have spinal cord injuries or neurological issues that prevent them from using uh, portions of their body. Most of the time it's going to be, you know, people prevented from being able to stand up and run and go around and do a lot of act- activity that they wouldn't normally do. So for one, it's just the, you know, the health needs that you imagine that any, everybody can benefit. And that's important up here because we can provide a place where if I were to go to a regular gym, I would find a lot of difficulty um, being able to do even a quarter of the stuff that we can do up here. And so, you know, up here, we provide a place where we can get people out of their chairs. They can, we can get them on mats and have them fully stretched out. We can, um, we have specialized equipment. We can activate muscles and work muscles out that you don't have access to, or maybe you have limited access to, and we can increase that connection with, uh, electrical stimulation. So just having this place and being, being able to use this place to get just some you know, just kind of the basics of, you know, health and wellness going for people up here, uh, is great. Um, and then in terms of besides the health benefits, you start with that as like the basis. Mm -hmm. And then that translates to everything else in your life, whether it be quality of life stuff, for instance, after I was working out with Jeremy and I was able to get stronger with my triceps and some of my grip, um, you know, I can, I can pour water by myself now, which seems like a minuscule thing, but you know, I mean, I'm, it can be frustrating if you are sitting there looking at a jug of water and you're like, I really need to get that in a cup, but uh, it's not going to happen right now. But, you know, just like being able to do that, um, small little things that a lot of people um, can take for granted. We have a we have a young uh, kid up here who is uh, starting to be able to press just be able to straighten his arm out and use his tricep to do that, which again is something very small that a lot of people do hundreds of times a day. Um, you know, I used to not be able to raise my arm up above my head. My tricep would fail and I'd hit myself in the head all the time. Um, just little things like that translate to a lot of, um, a lot of instances in your day to day life that just make it that much easier and a little bit easier for somebody in these types of situations is a big step. Mm-hmm. 
now with besides the quality of life stuff, um, Jeremy also loves to talk about the translation to other parts of your life and being like, you know, gaining confidence, realizing, Hey, I can do stuff. Meeting other people up here in the community that have gone on and done fantastic things, had successful lifelong careers, have built businesses, have, you know, have, I don't know, have gone to Wyoming and killed an elk. If you want to hear that story, (laughs) Um, um, but just meeting people that have done things that maybe you didn't think that you would be able to do, it translates into confidence and being able to try different things and being able to get out there and maybe going and being able to drive again, being able to look, think, oh, I could actually make a well-established, rewarding career from the skills I have. I just need to go out there and, then you know, get my name out there and actually go for it. Um, that's a huge thing, too. And along with that community thing um much my dad can talk about this about the the caregiver aspect and providing a place for caregivers that you know along with the people that are experiencing these injuries they go through them with them as well and so i mean that's kind of been a focus yeah i you know was when you asked that question Mm -hmm. you know about why, really, why the 34 Project? Sure, yeah. What's the... Mm-hmm. Other than the selfish reason why, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that the... What people don't know, and I, I didn't know this, and I actually worked with a lot of uh, kids. I mean, one, Bethany, Oklahoma is home to uh, a world-class rehabilitation facility mm-hmm. called the, the Bethany Children's Health Center. Uh, and... Um, I, I have been in that facility countless times around kids that were injured. In fact, just recently saw a kid I had met uh, right after he was injured with a high spinal cord injury back uh, five years ago. And uh, it's one of those deals where uh, I uh, people just don't know. Like, mm-hmm. so you say, oh, they, they had a spinal cord injury. And you look and you see them in a wheelchair and you think, okay, well, they're good now. Uh, what you don't know is all of the things that go with that. Right. It's, um, you know, the people don't realize that uh, one of the great concerns is uh, just on, uh, that you have to face is infection. So you can get infection a number of different ways, and that's usually the demise of people that have suffered neurological injury. Um, it because they can't feel that there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, your body does have a secondary response system called autonomic dysreflexia. So that what that does is if something's going wrong, Hudson will blood pressure will shoot up. Uh, he'll uh, break out in a sweat um, and so then you're like okay but then again you're like okay yeah what's causing this yeah. you know and and it can be anything from you know uh, urological or uh, intestinal or skin is a big deal you know you uh, you have to really watch all those things and you know what 
when we went to Craig Hospital, one of the things that became very apparent to us is that these people know what they're doing. They know how to handle this. And it's like this big relief and this weight comes off of you because you're surrounded by <laughs> experts that, and, and so you're like, okay, I can, I can let them. Yeah. I don't have to watch like a hawk, you know, have what you're doing with my loved one. And I think that's what we have here is when people come in, I think first they're a little apprehensive because one, you get gun shy of how much is this going to cost me? Because unlike, uh, let's say, a, a knee replacement. So you go in, you get your knee replaced. But after a certain amount of time, they're going to say, you're good to go. We're, we're enjoy your new knee. Whereas this is ongoing. And so. Uh, it's expensive. Every month's expensive for people. And so when they come in, one, they're a little gun shy about uh, what's this going to cost me. And then the other thing is, do you know how to handle folks like us? Are you, are you, do you understand uh, the different issues? And, and you can just see the relief as you're talking with them that they're like, okay, they know what they're doing. And, um, I've been, we've, we've just been blessed. We have great trainers. They're just super uh, good at what they do and very knowledgeable. And the other thing that you learn very early in the uh, neurological world is the doctors come out and they're, a lot of times what they tell you is all based on statistics. It's just, uh, you know, what you're going to get back, you're going to get back in the first year uh, or whatever. And, um, we defied all of that stuff every single week up here. Uh, we have people that, um, uh, like Hudson alluded to earlier, we use a lot of electrical stimulation to assist. So what that does is, uh, let's say you've got this amount of fire in your triceps, for instance. Um, the higher the injury on the spinal cord, the less you, uh, muscles use you have in your arms and your hands. So um, we all recognize that with legs, you know, you, that's the first thing people notice, but it's really, um, you know, that lack of dexterity in the hands that makes things super challenging for folks. And so we, um, we really, we will put electrical stimulation, what I call pour the lightning to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this computer control program We'll fire those muscles in sequence how they need to for you to reach out and grab a glass and squeeze it and pick it up. Uh, we can do that to you um, whether you have ever been able to control that or not. But over time, what happens is we've discovered that we don't have to pour as much juice to you. And these neural pathways start uh, to develop. And we have people doing things that uh, they'll look at us and say, doctor said I'd never do that. Yeah. And so when they do accomplish those things, all of a sudden, it's like Hudson said earlier, it's like, okay, what else can I do? Yeah. I never thought I could drive, but maybe I can drive now with hand controls. Or uh, I, what's, What I love is when we get kids, and a lot of injuries happen to young adults because young adults tend to be a little bit more uh, doing crazier things. So, yeah. And uh, and what I love is when we rescue people, when I ask them, what have you been doing? I've just been sitting in my room at home, you know. And I love to be able to tell them, well, that's over now. Because mm -hmm. uh, 
by the time we get done with you, yeah. uh, you're only going to be spending about eight hours sleeping in there. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the time, we're going to go live life. Yeah, you'll be killing an elk in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're what, just over a year in, right? Yeah, just over a year in. Um, and ooh, what's our... What's our rough number at right now? We usually have about 20 sessions a week. Okay. We're averaging about 20 sessions a week, which is, um, you know, we have room for more people for sure. But at the same time, um, we've decided that whoever rolls through the door, uh, whether it's five or 500, we want it to be an awesome experience. We want them, we want them really pour ourselves into these folks. And uh, so... Um, we're, we're trying not to get really hung up on numbers. Um, again, the numbers don't really push uh, the budget of this place because, again, we're trying to make it as cheap as possible. This place exists because of the generosity of other Oklahomans. Yeah. So with that in mind then, going forward, like, is it, you know, naturally, I think, you know, you, a bigger warehouse, more facilities, helping more people, you know, mm-hmm. obviously that takes more dollars, but we're, what is, you know, I hate the five-year, 10-year plan stuff, but mm-hmm. just as you sit here today, like, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and say, if we can get to this, uh, this will be like, that is my purpose. So I think uh, how we've ran this place so far is we kind of just sit and wait and then a door will open and then we just walk through it. And that's kind of, I think our plan going forward a little bit is we outgrow this place. We'll, we will get a larger facility. Maybe we'll build one or what, but all our future plans are is to be big enough to accommodate the people that come through our doors. Um, and we will expand with that, with whatever we're uh, able to do. Like you said, it could it, it will cost more money if you expand. So, I mean, as, you know, as either money or people come in, we will accommodate that. I don't know. I mean, we have some other plans of, uh, like the, um, apartments across the street. Um, so we have, uh, one couple of different areas that are on, you know, what's is right now within that five year plan, Mm -hmm. so to speak is, uh, when you start bringing people in and we start working people out, of course, you get to know each other. And then all of a sudden you discover these other needs. And so we're not only just a fitness and strength facility, but we're just a, a wellness facility. We uh, And our, our one of our chief goals is just to be an encourager and cheerleader. Let's, you know, you can do this. You can do this. And um, so... A huge need in the, in the uh, accessibility world in Oklahoma is housing. Um, until you're in a wheelchair, you don't really recognize how bad that sidewalk is that you're about to go down. Or can I get into that restaurant? Or are they all bar tables? Or are they where I can get, you know, all of those things, you become hyper alert. Well, we don't have a lot of accessible housing in Oklahoma. and. And again, like Hudson said, we we are faced with that, like every probably every other state. And yet, at, here's a door that opened up. This apartment complex across the street from our facility is super interested in in creating accessible 
uh, housing and uh, both short and long term. And so um, exactly just we're, we're walking through that door and we're trying to get the powers that be to come alongside of us um, with short little things like uh, expanding some bus routes uh, to make it to where people can get to this area, you know, all of those quality of life things. So those are our short term. And my, my passion is getting people outdoors, mm-hmm. getting fishing on. We have a great maps trail system in Oklahoma. Yeah, we well, it, we need some people with accessible vehicles on that more and taking advantage and let the wind blow in their face and enjoy that. And so we're working to expand those opportunities. And, um, we just, we think that, uh, it's super therapeutic mm-hmm. uh, for people to be able to go and do uh, as close as possible some of the things that they enjoyed before they got hurt or they got sick. And so um, those are our short-term goals. Our long-term goal is actually, to tell you the truth, is to be faithful. We want to, we, our financial plan doesn't make sense uh, if you, any person that builds businesses would say, well, that's not sustainable. But our financial plan is modeled after a gentleman named George Mueller, who was a um, missionary and uh, preacher in England. And George Mueller was uh, walking down the street one day and uh, felt God told him to look around and he began to notice all of the uh, tons of orphan kids just living on the street and uh, long story short he built I believe 14 different orphanages and schools helping tens of thousands of kids and he he never uh, asked for one dollar it was all on donations and and prayer and believing that God would tap people on the shoulder and say, hey, you want to help be a blessing on this deal? And and they responded. Now, it wasn't always easy. I've, sure. I've read accounts where he said, I had all the kids at the dinner table and we didn't have one thing to feed them. And I'm sitting, and all of a sudden there'd be a knock at the door and uh, some guy with a load of food would say, hey, uh, I was taking this, but God told me you guys to stop here and give it to you guys. And I can testify wholeheartedly that that is exactly what has happened here. Um, we, as it, it is amazing as me and the trainers will be talking about a need and what is shocking is how swiftly it's been met. And, and the reason why I believe that is because Throughout the Bible, you can read how God is so concerned about what he refers to many times as the least of these people that society is going too fast to really pay a ton of attention to, uh, but they don't escape God's eyes. And um, that has been what has blessed us is him just, we've just trying to be conduits and let resources flow through us. I, I, I have finished my career. I'm not looking for a, another way to, another retirement uh, income. Um, we're just here to, to help. Yeah. Uh, uh, you mentioned uh, earlier, you know, people 
just having breakthroughs every day. You're seeing, you know, breaking down those barriers and those statistics. You guys are, you know, just constantly, you know, just defying them. Do you share any personal stories of that? Like when you meet with Jeremy and, and you know, you're, and, and what your dad said, obviously you're, you know, I, I'm kind of like you as well, right? Like I, I tell me what I need to do and I'll do it, you know? Yeah. Whereas yeah. Hudson, you're, you're cut from a different cloth. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say, I think, this is one that Jeremy likes to talk about. And I think it's one that kind of got him a, a little hooked a little bit. So that first time I worked out with him, I was doing a, we, he wanted to have me do some overhead press. And, um, so, you know, we try, he didn't really have a, he didn't really have a bunch of bars with like, not that weren't very heavy. So he had like a little PVC pipe kind of thing. And he put a, I think he, I think he tried, we tried to put a five pound on there and really wasn't happening. So then he put a two and a half pound plate in the middle of it and I pressed it above my head and we did a few sets of that. And then from there, I just kept increasing weight, kept increasing weight. I think I got up to, I was pressing 35 pounds over my head uh, six months later. Uh, a couple weeks ago, my most ever I did, I finally got a hold of the 45 pound standard bar yeah. and I pressed that over my head twice. Um, and so we've gone from, I don't know what the percentage increase from that it's is. It's, it's yeah. two, two and a half to a 45 pound uh, overhead press, which, um, like I said, I've, I've talked about earlier, my tri I couldn't raise my hands above my head. My triceps would fail. Um, which that is translated into me being able to grab stuff above my head off of counters or but now a lot of stuff is above my head sitting, yeah. sitting at a three foot tall or whatever <laughs> I am. But yeah, definitely. So uh, personally, I would say that's for me, that's one of my big things. Also, we've worked on my grip a lot uh, using functional electrical stimulation. And that is translated, like I said, into me being able to pour water and being able to hold on to things that are a little heavy or something that uh, previously I wouldn't have trusted myself to yeah, do. Yeah. Um, and some of my friends still don't trust me. I'll grab something <laughs> off the counter and they're like, and then I get it and they're like, oh, okay. Like they, or they're all just like grab something, I'll turn around. They're all just kind of like staring, like <laughs> waiting for me to drop it. <laughs> but um, yeah, for me, those have been kind of two of my big things. Um, and like I said, there's a bunch of little things all mixed in there. Um, and I think probably everybody here has some kind of story of, you know, gaining something or yeah. accomplishing something. And it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. You said uh, you graduated from SNU doing history. Yes. Is that like a main, do you still have a love for history? Does that kind of like, you know, this is obviously your baby um, and, you know, the, and the project, but is that, you know, do you want to follow dad's footsteps and be a history teacher? Like, where does, does that come back around at some point? Uh, yeah. Well, we're hoping. Um, yeah. So I, I still, I love history. I read, I read history books all the time. I love reading and writing. And I think one of the big things that I got out of it was the writing aspect. Wrote a lot. I still write uh, every day. I write, um, you know, stories and books and stuff. And so that's, that's one dream of mine is to become, eventually become an author and have that kind of be my full-time thing. And then I can do that. And then I can just come up here and advise and yell at Jeremy a little bit. And then, <laughs> Um, so that's, that's where I'm hoping the history little degree comes yeah. into. And, um, 
and then got a minor in business so that's helped just a little bit um, but yeah yeah that's that, hopefully that's how I can use my history degree if that doesn't happen I think I'm gonna have to be forced to uh, at least get a master's in history so I can teach so I get a little bit of ROI on that sure. history degree <laughs> so far so far not so good I currently do uh, contract IT work for SNU and okay. small businesses and stuff right now kind of just to make have my own little income yeah. emphasis on little but <laughs> hey there's got to, but also like you've got to you know it's it's nice to have that separation with this place too right mm-hmm. and it, you know it, it, it still be a place where you come as a patient or you come as, as someone who gets service out of it and not coming to a place where you get service but you also are running making decisions and, yeah you know it's like it's that's it gets very crowded quick when you're like i'm like you know i see everything going on here but i actually need to go work out and get my stuff in yeah right, right so exactly yeah uh you mentioned the oklahoma spinal convention was recently What's uh, what's like that community like, and is it growing? And, and obviously, I'm sure it's been extremely well received with with this facility as well. Well, uh, that was the first one ever, right? Yeah, Integris put that on. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, so that that and it it was a good event. Uh, we're going to an, uh, another um, expo next week at the Santa Fe Fitness Facility, okay. and um, they their emphasis there is on some adaptive uh, sports mm-hmm. opportunities and so we'll be at that event as well but um you know that's with uh, both my background and jeremy's background in education uh, that's uh dear to our heart as well yeah. and we have some plans uh here in the next five years mm-hmm. in regards to really um you know just things that will help folks for instance um just the, we like to do luncheon kind of things mm-hmm. where you can bring a group in and, and then talk about uh, 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 durable power of attorney okay. and, or medical power of attorney where you can uh, and let people leave with a document that mm-hmm. uh, could benefit them if something were to you know go wrong and because a lot of times we don't think about those things until they're so, right before us you know and so those are the kind of events we like to do and and uh, but it's uh, you know the what we hope is uh, that we just expand more and more in regards to just helping people become more independent. Mm-hmm. Our that is really our goal. Uh, just instill hope and encouragement and let people get out there and. Yeah. Go take a beer, care of business. So we, um, our mantra here is: you got one May 6, two thousand twenty-three. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. And uh, we all have that choice, and we're just going to try to help knock down some barriers mm-hmm. to make it easier for folks. The uh, the conference did go really well. We met a lot of people that were there that are injured and there's a lot of vendors there you know talking about new things and so we got to meet these new people they were interested we got to do a little presentation over kind of what we do up here and it was yeah it's just it was really cool and i think honestly there was more people there than i thought would be there for the first one like i mean yeah there's there's more and i saw people that i hadn't seen in a while and uh you know i saw a guy who was there who 
he got injured before I did, but he actually came up and saw me in the ICU when I when back in 2015. I haven't seen him since, and yeah. and he was like, I was like, I think I know that guy, and he came up, talked to me for a little bit, and we're hoping to get him up there and up well up here, and um, he's a big uh, like power lifter guy, so. Jeremy's dream is to have a 34 Project powerlifting team to <laughs> yes. send out to competitions. <laughs> Someone's going to make the Olympics at yeah. some point. Yeah. Right? Like that's the, we're going to have a gold medal or a medal from somewhere. That's um, right. To that point, you guys have an open house coming up. Let's finish with that. Tell people when it is and people can come kind of get educated and just kind of see what you do here. And also, you know, even if they're looking, if someone's listening that just feels, you know, that they've been called or they have a need to fill and, and they have something that you know they, they want to give back and get involved with um, you know like you mentioned this place runs heavily on on just people like that as well so that'd be a great opportunity to get people in town. yeah so uh, we're having an open house up here gonna be May 27th we're saying 10 to 2 11 to 2 10 when, to 2 we're saying 10 to 2 uh, you can check out our website or socials um, for more information we'll have a flyer out and stuff but it's just kind of come up here uh we'll maybe have a food truck or two if you want to like snack lunch while you're here check out the facility see what's going on meet some of the people that work here uh usually a lot of our clients will come up to hang out whenever we do kind of something like this so you can meet some people that benefit from this place um yeah, I mean, just kind of come and go thing. Uh, we'll, we'll also have little uh, treats, and I think uh, we got our uh, beautiful executive party planner, Doris Hernandez, uh, making some making some goodie bags for people. So um, that that's kind of it. Uh, like I said, you can there will be more information on our socials and website um, here soon. And so if, if you think, and you're like, I wonder, forgot when that was, you can, you can check that out. And that's, uh, just at just 34 project.com. Yeah. Yeah. The 34 project.org is our website. And then the 34 project on Instagram and Facebook. Right. For people listening, I'll put that down in the link, uh, in the description down below. Uh, so you can go check that out and follow everything the guys are doing here. And, uh, yeah, um, come out and come support and, um, yeah, we'll catch you next episode. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever. I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. 
At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Weihai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.